Armed with the license to kill and recently obtaining his double O status, MI6 agent James Bond is thrust upon a life of espionage and mystery as he tries to save the world from shadowy organizations. In today's bonus episode, I'll rank all the movies in the Daniel Craig era of Bond films. So stick around, it'll be fun. I'm your host Christian Ong and that's my cue. this week I'm reviewing No Time to Die, the latest and final movie for Daniel Craig in the lead role as James Bond, and man, what an era. Not a perfect era, but for reasons I'll break down in a bit, still, an era nevertheless. I I personally liked Craig as Bond, obviously the gritty tone that came with these movies throughout might not be everyone's cup of tea. For example, I know my parents... Uh, really like the Roger Moore films, and you got your Sean Connery heads. But for me, I grew up around the time of the Bro- the Brosnan films, but they weren't really, you know, my thing. You get that? You know, like I, I was ten when Die Another Day came out in two thousand two, so you know I was like more into Pokemon and being socially awkward. Which you know, granted, I'm probably like that now, almost twenty years later. But you know, old habits die hard. Another day. Uh, you know, Die Hard is another franchise that I should probably do a tier list on if they ever reboot it or something. You know, if Bruce Willis needs to make some quick cash or whatever. But, you know, come on, Bruce. Do it. Maybe not bring Jai Courtney into the mix because, you know, I'm willing to retcon the fifth movie out of existence. Anyways, we're, we're here to talk about Bond. So Daniel Craig, to me, seemed he, he seemed like that Bond actor that sort of felt like an underdog coming into the role in the beginning. And I'm sure whoever follows up with, uh, you know, follows up after him is going to have some pretty big shoes to fill, especially for some diehard fans. And uh, people at the time thought that Craig didn't have that classic look of Bond, and the blonde hair seemed to turn people off. But by the time the first movie came out, everyone seemed to change their tune. They went from, what is he, James Blonde? To, hmm, this is good. Actually, I, I, you know what? I actually quite like this. So for me, the set of films, you know, set of course, uh, it sort of course corrects what kind of turned me away from the prior films in the series. Up to this point, Bond felt a little too unbelievable and a little goofy to an extent. And by the time Brosnan was finishing his run in the role, you know, a lot of the movies felt like they just sort of jumped the shark a little too hard. Was there a shark at some point? I'm pretty sure there might have been. But, you know, I love me some goofy spy films, don't get me wrong. And and that's why I enjoy the Mission Impossible series, because they really just kind of play around with, you know, the medium a little bit. But I feel like Craig's portrayal becomes a little more grounded. He feels cold, cunning, but at the same time, a little suave and cool with a little bit of a cheeky sense of humor to him. And for me, the Bond films always had a reputation of being a little classy with a bit of a, Devin, a, a debonair flair to them. And, uh, you know, you know, granted, Splash with a bit of toxic masculinity and misogyny, but that's that's in the past. And now we're in the Craig era, baby, where it went from 11 all the way down to maybe a strong 7. But, you know, still kind of iffy in some spots. But, you know, they're, they're trying. But, but, you know... You're probably listening to this episode for one purpose, so let's review the tier system real quick and break down how it works since it's been a while since we've done one of these bonus episodes. Uh, I'll be going through each 
of the Bond era movies in the Daniel Craig uh, catalog, which began in 2006 all the way to the uh, current year. Uh, I won't include a rank for No Time to Die since that episode's going to be coming out later. Uh, but for the rest, I'll give each uh, title a grade, sort of like, you know, when you're in school, with F tier being the worst and S tier ranking even further past the A grade. Once again, if you listen to any of these uh, tier list episodes before, you'll know that I try not to lean into the B plus or B minus tier territory since it just, I don't know, it feels like a cop out and a, and a little too lenient rather than, you know, just definitively saying this is a B, this is an A, you know, kind of that thing. So today we only just have four films to go through. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Up first, we have Casino Royale, and that's going to sit right in A tier. Casino Royale feels like the perfect reintroduction to the character and sets the tone of this new inter- this new interpretation of Bond really well. Uh, in my opinion, I feel like Bond feels like a cold killer, and uh, in this movie, he has a calculating demeanor to himself. Uh, a little sociopathic at times, too, but this movie is sleek, sexy, and kind of reimagines or at least recontextualizes some of the tropes and traditions of the series. Judy Dench is always great as M, and her banter with Bond is a lot of fun. Uh, Eva Green is great as Vesper Lind and feels like an equal foil to Bond in a way that not a lot of Bond girls typically are portrayed in previous movies. Also, who could forget the torture scene? Not me. It sort of seared itself into my brain. God, there's a lot of smashing in that scene. In any case, that this is a great way to kick off the new series of films, and it's one of my personal favorites to come back to, and I rewatch this movie over and over again whenever I just need something to put on in the background. Also, the theme song, You Know My Name, it's a really good Bond song. Part of the grade, you know, uh, and I mean, it's a, it's a real smart, small part of it, but I, feel, I figured I should just mention that the rank is sort of based on the song that accompanied the movie too, you know, just in case if you're wondering why it kind of sits not in the tier that you want it to. But uh, speaking of not sitting it, you know, sitting in the tier that you wanted to, I'm going to give Quantum of Solace a D. Let's face it, Quantum of Solace, it's not a bad action movie. In fact, it's a great action movie on its own. But I think that the opening sequence is fun, and there are some cool moments sprinkled throughout. But while that may all be true, it's just kind of a forgettable movie, especially in the grand scheme of things. I know James Bond is on a revenge mission in this film, but the strings that sort of tie everything together feels sort of vague and kind of boring. The eco-terrorist subplot also felt really undercooked. I, you know, I get he's rogue. Even more rogue than usual in the other films that comes later after this. So he doesn't, you know, have the resources that he would typically have access to. But he doesn't even say the phrase, y'all. He doesn't even say Bond, James, you know, the one. Part of the issue with the script was that, you know, that the writer's strike severely impacted it. So I get some things had to be, you know, retooled in a way. But what we ultimately got wasn't really all that, you know, interesting. Also, the Jack White and Alicia Keys song. It's okay, just okay, you know, but uh, in in the whole overall scope of uh, where, you know, this movie lands, I think that Quantum of Solace just sort of always felt like it was the forgotten child, that it was just there in a corner waiting to talk to people at a party, but everyone was just hanging out with the other cooler movies. But, you know, let's 
Uh, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, I'll be giving my ranking for the remaining two movies for Skyfall and Spectre. So don't go anywhere. Unless if you're commuting, then get there, but take me with you. Grab a martini, and I'll see you in a bit. Once again, if you're driving, though, pay attention and put that martini down. Welcome back, y'all. On today's program, we're talking all about the Daniel Craig era of James Bond films. And let's dive right back into it with Skyfall. And y'all, I'm going to give Skyfall an easy S. Skyfall is one of those movies that dares to say, what if you took Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight? And that's pretty much it right there. Javier Bardem plays a great villain, but it's pretty much just the Joker doing Joker things. Does he blow things up? You bet he does. Does he disguise himself as a cop? How could he not? Does he have some sort of facial damage that deformed him in some way that also represents metaphorically a bit of his psychopathic psychosis? Hell yeah, dude. Still, Skyfall is a great Bond film from top to bottom. I think it successfully blends you know, this new tone of the reboot series while also paying plenty of homage and once again, clever reimagining of classic Bondisms that came in the, that came in the past. But uh, for me, I think the highlight of this is seeing Judy Dench getting a great send-off. And my God, that Adele song. She kills it with that theme song. I feel like, you know, you can't think of that movie without hearing that. And I feel like it's one of those recent Bond-era, uh, you know, songs that gets some radio play. So that, that tells you a lot of how much, you know, work Miss Adele put in. And... Um, yeah, you know, unfortunately, the, what came after is not so great because Spectre is going to sit right at C tier. The thing with these films is that, you know, uh, it kind of follows a loosely connected serialized continuity, but it also handles it so much in a loosey goosey, you know, fashion that feels too casually done that I feel like Spectre tries to bring so many plot threads together that you kind of forgot that they existed in the first place and you kind of are left a little lost on how it all connects together it sort of feels like that the movie asks you to remember characters that have very little to no memorable screen time in previous films that when they do show up again it's sort of a bit of a memory jog to recall who they are it's like you remember this guy no i don't remember this guy that's too bad because this guy is important i guess but you know I will give it to its credit that the opening sequence is cleverly done, but I also feel like it acts as a clear experiment for director Sam Mendes' film 1917, which, by the way, in 2019 was one of my favorite films. But other than that, I feel like Spectre is an okay movie. It definitely comes, you know, neck and neck with Quantum of Solace as being the worst film in the Daniel Craig series, but it still manages to keep its head above water with some of the top-notch action and set pieces that it's not completely boring. What is boring, though, is the chemistry, or lack thereof, with Daniel Craig and Leia Seydoux. Does that mean? I don't know. Just in my opinion, she just never really came across as a believable love interest that, you know, uh, would carry itself into No Time to Die, but... I digress. I think it was an okay introduction, just not something that really captivated me when I first saw it in theaters. Uh, also, the Sam Smith theme. It's okay. It's not bad. Definitely better than Alicia Keys' song in Quantum Solace, so it, yeah, I guess it has that going for it. Uh, 
But you know what? That's the tier list. Overall, uh, it sort of follows a reversed version, in my opinion, of the Star Trek movie rule where the odd-numbered movies tend to be really good and the even-numbered movies just are not that great. I mean, look it up. That, that, that rule is definitely a real thing. Do you ever get to that point where you get so much useless trivia like, like me that just kind of like nestles itself in your brain? I don't know. Anyways, it's going to be bittersweet to see uh, Daniel Craig's era come to an end. I personally think he captured the character so well that even in the worst movies, he's so consistent and enjoyable to watch that it's going to take a lot to fill those murder-stained shoes for sure because we know Daniel Craig's uh, version of the character is a mega psychopath. But you know what? I'm excited to see what direction the movies are going to go next. Before I go, though, I also want to mention that the review for No Time to Die goes up later this Thursday, so I look forward to bringing that to you real soon. I also didn't mention in last week's episode, but I'll, I'll also be covering uh, Venom 2 or Venom Let There Be Carnage. So stay tuned uh, for that. I also put out like a call for some mini-reviews. So if you didn't do so already, feel free to send those in. I tend to record these episodes like, you know, Monday night, uh, Tuesday night. So we'll, we'll see how my schedule goes and maybe I can squeeze that in. But I'm really excited to talk about both movies and I'll see you around later this week. If people want to send your feed, uh, their feedback on this episode or what other tier list rankings I should do, maybe you also want to give your t- tier uh, list as to how you'd rank all the Daniel Craig movies or maybe even all the Bond movies. There's so many of them. So I'd give you like an extra gold star if you could do that. But you can send all that to me at Instagram at That's My Q Podcast or on Twitter at Q Podcast. Or you can also email me at That's My Q Podcast at gmail.com. I want to thank J1K for the use of their music No Flowers from the Vault Volume 3 Beat Tape, which you can find on j1kmusic.bandcamp.com. Like I said in previous episodes, J1K always puts out great music, so I definitely think you should check their page out as soon as possible. I'm going to leave you off with a quote, and ironically enough, it comes from Quanta Asalis, and it goes a little something like this. They say you're judged by the strength of your enemies. I'm your host, Christian Ong, and that's my cue.